Welcome to Know Thy Trauma, a podcast by Wellspring Solutions Counseling Services. We are a group practice of licensed professional counselors who are dedicated to helping people heal the loss and trauma that is part of the human experience. The content in today's episode could be potentially triggering, so please use discretion as you listen. If you find yourself triggered, we encourage you to pause it, engage in something that soothes you, and return when you're ready. And as always, we encourage you to seek out your own therapy if needed. Hi, welcome to Know Thy Trauma. My name is Sharon Wegman. And I'm Kate Byler. And today we're on part three of Know Thy Narcissist. Yes. So we encourage you to listen to parts one and two if you have not yet listened to them. Um, We're going to be talking about boundaries with narcissists, what a good apology looks like, and exit plans. Yes, and we just hope this information is helpful for those of you in a relationship with a narcissist of some sort and, you know, take this and hopefully apply it to your own individual relationship. You might not be using everything in this podcast, but depending on how good your boundaries are or where you want to be in the relationship with this person, you know, we're hoping this helps with those types of things. So it could be a couple of these things you use and it could be all three that we hit. Right. So uh, the first thing we want to start with is a good, what a good apology looks like. Mm-hmm. Because a good apology is followed, through, is followed through with consistent action. Right. So narcissists are wordsmiths. They are very good at talking people into things and or convincing people of truth that is not truth. So we need to remember over and over and over truth is not words it's actions right and i think narcissists are really good at telling you what you want to hear and they know what that is it's true according to who you are personally so to some extent you feel very known and that feels good and so you want to believe it absolutely i don't know how many times i'll have people sitting across from me who say i keep getting caught in this web Mm -hmm. because that's what I want to have happen. I want this to work out. I want it to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree completely, Kate. So um, the first thing that every good apology should have is they need to validate your feeling. Mm -hmm. Lots of times they will not tell you your feeling. They will say something like, I completely understand how you feel that way. Or something like that, but they never really go to the full extent of validating that your feeling would be correct in that situation. Right. So that's V, validate the feeling. Yes. Um, The next one would be to not blame, oh no, sorry, the next one is to take ownership of the action. So that means they're validating your feeling and the next thing that should come out of their mouth would be something of saying, I realized I've harmed you in this way. Yes. And owning it. And I think that's hard for everyone. I don't think we like to know and admit that we've hurt someone. Yeah. But that that part is particularly hard for a narcissist to really own and take accountability. It's hard for them to... Then they might be able to do it in like a, a minute but the, the next day they wouldn't be able to own it. By then they've talked themselves out of it. Right. And so our, our next point that we have is just sort of an example of what a, mainly a bad apology looks like. 
and and it feels usually manipulating or blaming so that can look like I'm sorry I'm such a bad mom right so it, that feels I think for some people you're like well is that a bad apology but what but what the person is doing is asking you to own then their feelings they're not really listening to yours yeah they'll be flipping out I'm sorry and I am a blank mm-hmm. I'm sorry I am do- and in their in their in their drama suddenly it becomes about them mm-hmm. so we have validate the feeling ownership of the action and I'm gonna say B would be not blaming. So B would be no absence. So VOB. We got VOB so far. (laughs) Right. But always be looking for those three. Yeah. And people that choose to manipulate an apology are people that cannot own the harm they've done to someone. Right. So they're choosing to not own the harm because it's too hard for them. So they're putting it either back on you or having you take care of them. Correct. Correct. So um, after that, they've, we've figured that out. We want to also find out what is the action they're going to do to change, right? So we want to see them stating an action of what they will do differently and following up with that action. Right, right, right. So that's V-O-B-A. Those are the, I'm, we're going to just say the V-O-B-A, VABA. We want to see <laughs> VABA <laughs> in our apologies um, because a true apology follows through with consistent action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because remember, truth is not words, it's actions. And usually they'll be good for about a couple weeks. Yeah, so it has to be over a period of time we need action. And I think that's the hardest for a lot of our clients because they're like, well, they did it this week. Yeah. And I'm like, "Mm, well, maybe we should wait a couple more months to see if this stays consistent. Yeah. Um, So they, again... know the right thing to say and do but they usually or they just can't keep it up right so my rule of thumb is you'll be anybody can hold out good behavior for about two weeks to six weeks Mm -hmm. sometimes pushing it to the two month point mostly it's two two weeks to six weeks if it's consistent after six months then we know it's changed and that's that's hard because everybody like six months, then they have to keep their health self guarded for six months. And mm-hmm. that's really, that's hard. That's hard. Right. Um, so again, truth is not words. It's actions. It's VABA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Validate, take ownership, no blaming and action. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So let's talk about boundaries with a narcissist. Yes, we talk about boundaries because boundaries with a narcissist are meant to help keep you in somewhat control of your safety. I think most people that walk into our office just don't even know they have the power to do this. Yes. Because at this point, right, we're already feeling so powerless in the relationship that it feels like nothing we can do will ever work. But boundaries for yourself can work to a point. Right, so what can I control? Mm -hmm. So when it comes back to boundaries, I'm not trying to control the behavior of the other person. I'm I'm thinking back to myself, what can I control here? Mm -hmm. A lot of people say nothing. Right. That's not true. Right. It's not true. Right. And I think we say nothing because if we're honest, like creating boundaries for ourselves is still difficult. It's still painful to say no to something when you like want to 
Maybe you want to be with the person when they're in their love bombing good mode, you know, but maybe the real boundary that would help you is to say no. And that's hard. It is hard. And it's particularly hard if you've grown up in a home where you weren't allowed to say no, mm-hmm. where you weren't allowed to set boundaries of what you would or would not do. So mm-hmm. a lot of our, again, go back to our Know Thy Trauma series. Um, that's where you're going to, we're going to talk about, like, we can't set boundaries because we haven't been taught it. Right. So what would that look like? Um, I can't remember. I cannot set boundaries for them, but I can change what I'm going to do. So um, I can't tell a person don't drive 90 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. but I can say if you drive 90 miles an hour, I'm going to get out of the car. Right. I'm not going to ride with you. Right. Um, Or it could be like, I'm right. I'm going to drive separately to the restaurant because I don't know how much you're going to drink. So if you drink X amount of beers, I will have the freedom and choice to drive myself home. Absolutely. Or choose to. You can still go do things together, but boundaries just might things look might make things look different for the for just the cause of your safety. Right. So I can't control that you're late or that you've lied about where you were for mm-hmm. the last two hours, but I can say I will be leaving at six o'clock whether or not you are here. Right. I can control that and they, they will be mad. Right. And that makes it hard. <laughs> <laughs> they will be mad. In fact, the phrase I keep using, they're going to get all jacked up when you start <laughs> setting boundaries. Yes. Um, but... Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And that's the only way we can determine whether that you can actually stay. Mm-hmm. Will they respect your boundaries? Mm-hmm. Remember on our continuum of from the vulnerable narcissist to the malignant narcissist, some of the, the, begin, the people in the beginning might be able to they respect the boundaries a little bit better than by the time you get to the malignant narcissist, which no. Right. Cannot. Right. Um, and if you can't, if you can set boundaries in order for you to feel safe in your home, you can probably stay, but you need to, so the rule of thumb would be, if you or your children can stay well emotionally and physically in your home, then you could probably stay, but that's going to require a lot of boundaries. Yeah. But if you and your children can't be emotionally and physically healthy in your home with those boundaries, then you have to leave. Right. Right. Um, again, you can only control what you can control. Right. And we we understand that it gets really tricky, and we've seen it when kids are involved. Because now you're not only protecting yourself, you also are in charge of protecting your children. And so boundaries, you know, you might be making boundaries for you and your kids and it might look differently. And, and, and that's why you'll see us later on in, in the podcast. But when it comes to that point, you definitely get a therapist to help walk you through what that might look like. Because that's pretty overwhelming and, and you're already dealing with the abuse that you're getting might, might look and probably looks different than how the kids are seeing it. Absolutely, um, because sometimes they are very aligned with the children, mm-hmm. but not aligned with you. Mm-hmm. But be aware that if you stay in that home and that person is acting out and you cannot protect yourself emotionally or physically, mm-hmm. that you are basically creating a narcissist mm-hmm. or a codependent in your child. Yeah, because the 
they're kind of with the level of reasoning that they have in their brain that they're able to reason with they kind of have to go to choice a or b wherever they fit in more because mm-hmm. um, they don't have the power to make boundaries for themselves they just don't right so let's talk about an exit plan um and you need a plan to make sure that you cover your bases. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people get bogged down in the sheer logistics of leaving. Um, and we just want to kind of help flesh out what an exit plan might look like. Sure. So what would you start with, Kate? Well, I think what I do with some of my clients is first help them recognize the cycle that they're stuck in because it might there's like there this might be weird to say but there might be better timing to leave than other times and to know when when you might be getting sucked back in versus you know when it might be a lot of fighting or heartache and so understanding the cycle empowers you to be a bit more prepared on what you're walking into so we do have that a picture of that narcissistic abuse cycle on our social media. From February 18th. Yeah. Um, it just has narcissist abuse cycle on it. And it talks about love bombing and the minimizing and, and takes you through how they get you to stay in the relationship. Right. So it, it's really important to go check our socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook and look at that because if you can recognize the cycle, you'll know where you are yeah. in the cycle right. of when you should leave right. or when things should happen. Right. And it'll help you create boundaries for the next cycle that's approaching. Right. So understand that when you leave, the har- the harassment will continue. I mean, it's not going to be a magical ending where suddenly I don't have to deal with this person ever again. They are going to be very angry with you, um, and they're going to continue to try to even use this abuse cycle after you leave, Mm -hmm. trying to love bomb you to get you to engage Um, again and again and again. The cycle will continue even when you choose to leave. Mm -hmm. And like we said, it's much more complicated and hellish, I would say, if you have kids because they're, he's, he is the father or she is the mother and they're going to be in their life. And that's also going to look different if you keep going down the line with a divorce and get documentation and custody. And, and so, again, like this stuff is traumatic. This, this thing to go through is, is extremely stressful. So, you know, this looks like getting a therapist and and probably definitely talking to a lawyer and getting legal advice now we are not lawyers so (laughs) but we know that that is a step needed in this process yeah and i've never seen a narcissist not try to manipulate the lawyer system by saying can we just do it this way can Mm -hmm. you agree Mm -hmm. and sometimes that victim is so anxious to get out of that relationship They just want it over. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And I'm like, no, we have to think of protecting you long term. Right. You know, as a therapist and the lawyer will think about protecting you long term as well. Right. So we encourage everyone to document everything Mm -hmm. that is the crazy. 
mm-hmm. um, because when you have that Excel spreadsheet of dates of what is happening all throughout the process, you won't question your own sanity when that person moves you back into the love bombing and devaluing phase. Mm-hmm. So as you continue to document what's going on, that will give you an ongoing pattern to show your lawyer and to enable you to, as if custody comes up later, that will become an issue. So lots of documentation is necessary. Yeah, definitely. So our exit plan is first find a therapist that believes you. Mm-hmm. And a therapist that has experience with emotional or physical abuse and maybe walking someone through a narcissistic relationship and understanding what a narcissist, how a narcissist works. So you're, you know, you might have a good therapist, but if they don't have the experience, then they might be getting duped as well by this person. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean this person is a terrible therapist, but if you haven't dealt with a narcissist, you, you just don't know until you've dealt with one. And, and they're just really good at, at winning people over. And, and, and so maybe ask information with this therapist. Is this something you have history in working with? It's good. I mean, because we'll see. Remember, we talked about that when we talked about the different types of narcissists. We see them in political positions. We see them in doctor positions. We see Mm -hmm. them sometimes as therapists in that position. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's hard for people to recognize that if they don't have intimate experience with narcissism. Mm -hmm. So first we find a therapist that's able to deal with narcissism then we start telling our safe people what's going on yeah we don't want to keep it a secret i think it's so shameful that lots of people sure um keep it a secret they're not going to believe me and often what we find is no i've seen this how he treats you Mm -hmm. no i've seen how he does this so other people may be more aware of the pattern than you think right you might have to give this very safe person permission to give you feedback almost of what they've seen and how they see it because if they know you really well and and have seen you go through this then they're going to care about you and doing so and telling and hopefully telling you the truth yeah so don't don't let them minimize it don't let them say well there's two sides to every story Mm -hmm. that will happen Mm -hmm. that will happen and if you allow them to minimize it um well a that tells you it's they're not safe your friend is not safe but b if you allow that to happen you'll just keep yourself in the crazy cycle longer right and so again, documenting everything as your as part of your exit plan, um, as we talked about above, the next thing looks like to slowly start putting money aside in a secret account that the narcissist doesn't have access to know about. And this isn't for the sake of being sneaky and lying, but it's for the sake of of you not being knocked on your feet and being left with nothing from this person that is a master manipulator to get everything out of you. So I think that is uncomfortable sometimes with people, especially some of our Christian clients, because it feels sneaky or it feels like, you know, should I be doing this behind? But but you, I, I think at the end of the day, there is a point where you have to start looking at the reality of this person and this situation. And that looks like, how, how do I take care of myself and my kids? Yeah. What do I need to do? How do I, how do I... Do I tell somebody who's evil? This is what I'm going to right, do. Right, exactly. Absolutely not. That goes back to our wise, foolish, evil handout. 
But but when we're dealing with evil, we have to be cunning. Right. And we can wrap it up and look like a lamb, like in the Bible it says to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it doesn't say, tell them everything, be always a lamb, Dot, just tell the evil person everything. In fact, God says repeatedly, flee evil, mm-hmm. protect yourself, set boundaries throughout mm-hmm. that process. So right. start putting that money aside in a secret account that the um, narcissist doesn't have access to and doesn't know anything about. Right. And with that, creating an email they don't know about. Because um, we've had plenty, 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 plenty of people come through here where their partner... Their narcissistic partner has hacked their email, watched everything they've bought, watched every email interaction that was supposed to be personal. Yes. And it just really blew up in their face, not meaning to, because who would expect your spouse to take such manipulative measures? But to avoid this from happening, especially while trying to leave grace, like gracefully and almost quietly, you don't want um, this person to get a hold of your email. Right. <clears throat> And consult with a lawyer. Um, don't let your a person, again, to convince you to not bring a lawyer into it. You're going to need it because they're going to eventually really try to harm you. Mm-hmm. So, um, and if there's physical things going on, definitely get a protection from abuse order. Yeah. That's so important. And it sometimes is the piece of the puzzle that enables that person to have time to do what they need to do to pack up. And- right. And and getting a PFA isn't so much, I would consider legal advice. It's what we would tell any of our clients that are being physically abused in any, in any Absolutely. regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... You know, we just need to take a lot of protector, protective ma- ma- measures. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> we need to take protective measures. We yeah. need our safe people. We need to change the locks if we're going to stay. We need that PFA. We need to talk to a lawyer. We're, we're setting up a system of protection. Right. So, like, maybe you have everything in place and you know when you might be leaving and you know when you're contacting the lawyer. But maybe it's important to have people along the way know what you're doing, what days you're doing things, just in case this partner finds out and things start get, like blowing up in, in, in our face and we need, we need help, we need support. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I always tell my clients that have those people in, in your back pocket that kind of know what's going on. So it, in a moment's notice, can you call someone and, you know, have some protection there too. And, and rarely... In the 28 years, 29 years I've been doing this, rarely have I seen the narcissist be willing to leave. Right. I almost always tell the victim, you're going to be the one that has to leave because even if they do leave momentarily, they're going to be upset and they're going to be really trying to get back in the house and that's going to become a whole thing. So you can only do that if you have a PFA. But in the long in the long term, I I'm I, the sad part of it is you're gonna have to leave. Mm-hmm. That's just the way I've always seen it. Because that narcissist can't be the one who leaves. Again, that looks bad to everybody around them. Right. And if they're the one who who looks like they left, oh my goodness! Again, they're so focused on the approval of other people outside of that family home that that's not going to be okay for them to be seen as the bad guy in the situation. Right. And if they do end up leaving, 
they might make sure everyone in the entire world knows that you forced them to leave and you really wanted to stay and you were the evil person that forced them to leave. So it's one or the other. I mean, neither both come with its issues, unfortunately. It's true. So let's kind of review. One, a good apology is V-O-B-S. A, Baba, (laughs) the person needs to validate your feelings, they need to take ownership, they need to not blame, and there needs to be action. Mm -hmm. Um, Next would be boundaries with a narcissist. So these are meant to keep you somewhat in control of your safety. And it's all about what you can control for you, not what you're trying to control in the narcissist. Yes. And then the third area is create a safety exit plan slowly moving towards it in a very um, productive way behind the scenes so that you have money in place, you have safety in place, you Mm -hmm. have the authorities involved, you have other people involved in creating the safety that you're going to need to Mm -hmm. leave if you choose to leave. Right. And, And just if this is the point you get to number three for an exit plan, We strongly encourage you not to just take this info and do it for yourself, but find a therapist to do it with you. Yes, that's a number one thing. Do find that therapist who can walk you through it so that you can be in a safe space. We can't tell you what to do, but if you come in and you say, this is what I want to do, we can assist you in that. Right. And, And we know that each narcissistic relationship, it looks... Similar, but it also looks different depending on the level of narcissism. And so it might, your exit plan might look different if you're dealing with a vulnerable narcissist versus a malignant narcissist. Absolutely. So that's why that help is helpful. So that question is, can I stay well emotionally and physically with this person with a lot of boundaries? Yes or no? That decides what you're going to do or not do. Remember, truth is not words, it's actions. You're going to have to set up boundaries, and they're going to have to change their behavior. Mm -hmm. Can that work? We don't know. Right. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you, guys. We'll see you in the next podcast. See ya. For more information, visit our website, wellspringssolutions.com, which is linked in our show notes, along with any downloads or resources from today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to DM us on social media and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wellspring Solutions. Original music featured in this episode is by Christopher Burkholder.